Lord, protect me today. Let me be an example. Let me be a leader. Bless me with your righteousness. Let them see you in me. God, I need you right now. Help me out of this mess. Help me take a stand against the devil. Help me stand my ground. Please lead me away from this temptation. Deliver me from this evil. I could have died. Thank you for watching out for me. My life is in your hands. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Jesus, your word says, I can have whatever I pray in your name. Your word says, the power that raised you from the dead lives in me. Heal me, God. Save me from the grip of death. I have faith that your mighty hand can move this mountain. Your servant is ready for battle. With Christ, we have the victory. All right, good morning, Liquid Church. Great to see you guys. I want to welcome you. Uh, I'm Tim, one of the pastors here. And can we give a big old welcome to all our campuses joining us today? Glad you guys are here. Great to have you guys for week four of our series, SWAT, Spiritual Warfare and Tactics. It's a six-part series, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Um, I know I've been hearing some great reports out of our small groups, the conversations as people are diving deeper into the Bible uh, during the week, uh, as well as great reports from our Wednesday War Room. Did you guys know this? Uh, we are live on Facebook Live at 12 noon every Wednesday. What we're doing is we're taking live prayer requests. Our pastors are there, and, and uh, what people are doing is they're kind of logging on to Facebook Live uh, from your office, from your classroom, from their car, hopefully not while driving, uh, you know, and tapping into, uh, so we want to take prayer out of the, the church walls and into the streets and classrooms and schools. So if you haven't yet checked it out, check it out, Wednesday War Room. We had about 3,000 people on on Wednesday, which was just an incredible way to kind of make prayer very live together so that we can pray in get each other's backs uh, in prayer. Uh, what we've been doing, if you're new, uh, just catch you up. We've been studying the armor of God. Uh, and today, this is going to be a good one. We come to my favorite piece. This is the fourth piece of armor in Paul's weapons list. It's called the shield of faith. Now, before we look at uh, the Roman shield here in Ephesians 6, I want to first tell you a little story about my favorite shield growing up. Uh, any fans of Captain America here? Okay, can we hear? Yeah, Captain America. Well, okay, so you applaud for that. That's so interesting, right? Church, whatever. Captain America! Okay, yeah. Uh, I love Captain America growing up and his, his famous vibranium shield, right? Uh, every comic book hero I think you know has a signature weapon, right? Thor has his what? His hammer. Spider-Man has what? His, his webs, right? His slings. And, but I grew up with Captain America who had this, you know, amazing uh, shield made of vibranium. And what's interesting is this. Typically, we think of a shield as a defensive piece of equipment, right? But if you're a Marvel fan and you watch the movies, you know his shield is a whole lot more than that. Uh, Captain America's shield, man, it's not just for defense. It is an offensive weapon 
where he kicks butt in Jesus' name. He kind of, I'm serious, if you, if you watch it, watch what he does. He knows how to throw the shield. He wings it and makes it come back to him. He can toss it against rolls at just the right angle. It ricochets around the room. Uh, he res- runs in combat, you know, advances against the enemy. So understand the captain's shield isn't just for defense. It's an offensive weapon to fight his enemies. Uh, whenever Captain America wields the shield, bad guys beware. Now with that imagery in your mind, let's read Paul's description here in Ephesians chapter 6 of God's armor. He says, stand firm then with what? The belt of truth, that's piece number one buckled around your waist. The second piece is what? The breastplate of righteousness in place. And then Pastor Nithin last week talked about what? The feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So the the boots, the belt, the breastplate, the boots. Now watch this. In addition to all this, Paul writes, take up the shield of faith with which you can distinguish, extinguish, I should say, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now what's interesting when we talk about the shield of faith is that Paul uses a particular word for faith here. It's not a normal word. It's a Greek word, and it's pronounced pistis, okay? Can we actually say that? Pistis. And it doesn't just mean any kind of faith or belief about something. It means active faith or faith in action. In fact, every time this word appears in the New Testament, it's over 200 times actually in the Bible, it does not refer to the beliefs of a person. Rather, it talks about the actions they take because of their beliefs. Now, think of Captain America, right? He is an action hero, right? He doesn't just play defense. Oh, no, bad guys. He actively wields this shield of faith like a weapon. So Paul's making a point. If you want to take ground against the enemy of your soul, it is not enough to simply have faith, believe the right things. Your faith needs to catalyze action against the enemy. In other words, your faith needs a job, <laughs> Some of you got this faith that's in your head, but, you're, but the action is on the sidelines. You got to give your faith something to do. Everyone say action. Action. You got to put some sweat equity, Paul says, into your faith. Because simple faith is not a shield for believers. It's active faith that repels the enemy. Active faith is what protects you against his flaming arrows. Some translations say the fiery missiles of the enemy that he uses to disable you or distract you and keep you from being who God called you to be. As James writes in his epistle, he says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have what? Faith, but don't show it by your actions. James uses the same word for faith that Paul does. You pistis. He goes on to say, actually, faith without action is dead. So understand something. I want to tell you this this morning. It's going to rattle some of you. You can have all the faith in the world. You can actually be here today and you're like, I'm here because I'm a Christian. I believe in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And you could believe certain things about how you should live your life under the lordship of Christ. But if you fail to take action, your faith is useless. Active faith is God's shield, shield for spiritually victorious Christians. Now, this is a shift that you're probably noticing in Paul's language here, right? For these first three pieces of armor, the belt, the breastplate, the boots, the language is all about girding yourself, right? It's kind of like stand strong against the enemy's attacks. But for these final three pieces of armor, 
They are more action-oriented. He doesn't just say, put up a shield. He says, I want you to take up a shield. Raise a banner against the enemy, the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And he's going to say, I want you to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And the picture is someone actually now going on the offense into battle. So, so all of a sudden, Paul's language shifts. And this is our series is going to shift. Some of you are becoming aware of the reality of spiritual warfare, but now it's more than just protection. How do you actually take advances against an enemy who's shooting flaming arrows? You're going to actually have to do something about this faith that you claim to have. See, here's a secret. Faith is not what you say you believe. Rather, faith is what you do in response to what you believe. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want to give you a great working definition of faith. These are all in your notes in our mobile app. If you're new, we have a mobile app. You can just kind of follow along. But this is super helpful. I want to give props to Priscilla Shire. She's like my mentor in this. She says this, faith is when you act like God is telling the truth. In other words, your willingness to act, my willingness to act, in conjunction with the truth of God's word, if you really believe my God is completely trustworthy, like most Christians claim, then whether or not you choose to actually step out in faith in response to his commands, that is the litmus test about whether you really believe your God is faithful. Whether you're making progress, moving forward in your faith, makes an enormous statement about what you really believe God's willing to do on your behalf. See, there's so many benefits to faith in the Bible. It's not just salvation. There's a lot of benefits after you put your trust in Jesus Christ. But most of them are only activated once you marry actions to your faith. Let me give you a real-life example of active faith. Some of you have uh, gone overseas uh, on a clean water missions trip, right? If you're new to our church, we have this like, passion to bring clean drinking water to some of the poorest people on the planet. Uh, mainly in developing countries, or now we say the majority world, because that's how majority live. Uh, our family's been to Ethiopia, Rwanda, and Africa. Uh, a couple years ago, we took our daughter to Nicaragua. And we had an awesome time there, beautiful country, going through some civil unrest. You can pray for them. But we spent the week, right, you know, kind of drilling that well in a, in a, a rural village. We taught local families about sanitation and hygiene, shared the gospel of Jesus. But at the end of our trip, on the last day, our host said, we got a treat for you. We're going to take you ziplining. Anybody here been ziplining before? Ever, ever, ever done that? Okay, cool. All right. Well, we went to this beautiful area of Nicaragua. You can see it's like a mountain. It's surrounded by lush jungle, a lake. My, my daughter, of course, you know, she's so excited. Uh, her dad was too. Woo! My wife, Colleen, not so much. Okay? <laughs> and we get to the zip lining uh, place, and, uh, and they give you a helmet. You know, you put your helmet, you strap it on. And then they put this harness on. You know, it goes around your, your booty and your butt and all the way over and everything. And then, basically, you have to climb about 100 stairs to get to the top of this outpost where you stand on a ledge overlooking the valley. <laughs> and we get to the top, and it's beautiful. I mean, you can see the tree canopy, you can see for miles. And my wife, she goes, I don't think this is a good idea. And of course, honey, have a little faith. It'll be totally fine, everything. And the guy's like, okay, you're first, big poppy. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, you sure? He goes, yeah, yeah, man, first. Come on, man, you know, you're your first, big poppy. And so I'm like, okay, I, I can do this. I step on that thing, and I was just like, Lord, give me faith, <laughs> right? Watch, all of a sudden, my beliefs and my words meant nothing. Because <laughs> Big Papa got a little nervous. 
It was actually kind of funny. All of a sudden, I'm like a safety expert. I'm like, are these straps on right? You know, it seems like, like it's very bunchy here in my crotchal region. Uh, is, this, is this secure, you know, and everything? He's like, dude, we do this. No, is this, I actually said, I said, is this a harness like safety rated for Americans, like large Americans, <laughs> like Gordo Americans? Can, is this gonna, and the guy literally is just like, bro, have faith, we do this every day. And he clips my harness to the cable over my head. And I look at the cable and it zooms out for miles over this valley, thousands of feet in the air over trees and lakes and rocks. And, and, and I'm like, how about this cable? Uh, is this a new cable? Have you tested it recently? And it was funny because I realized, you know what? I could talk till I'm blue in the face about having faith in the harness and the cable. I could talk a big game. But the proof is in the pudding as to whether or not I stepped out over that ledge and let go. That's what would tell you whether or not I truly believe what would hold me up and keep me safe. So I, I went up to the ledge. I looked over. I was like, Lord, help me. I'm tell, talking to myself. I'm like, Tim, time to man up. And I turned to my wife and I said, ladies first. You know, just kind of, <laughs> just can I stepped out in faith and screamed like a baby all the way down. I think we got a little video here. It's, I get, I get. <laughs> just scream. Into the distance, you know. I get, I get real religious on roller coasters, <laughs> zip lines. I'm like, help me, Lord! I get real crazy. What's my point? <laughs> faith ain't faith until you step out and you take action and put into practice what you say you believe. It's just talk. That's what peace this is. It's active faith. So when God calls you to actually step out on the water and you don't know if you're going to sink, you step out on the water anyway. Because it reveals what you believe in your heart is true about God. And if you, don't, if you trust he's faithful, you'll be willing to step out on the water when he says come. Because you're like, I believe that. He's going to meet me there. Your eyes are on him and you're like, you know what? No matter how big my fears, the wind, the waves, Jesus is going to be there. So the reason, understand, that you can have faith is because your God is faithful. Amen? Your God is, you see it, full of faith even when you're not. Can I just tell you that this morning in case you've been through a rough ride maybe this year or last five years or ten years of your life? Maybe you've actually had some things happen to you and you've started to question the faithfulness of God. Can I just take a second time out and remind you how faithful your God really is? Listen, your God is the one who hangs every single star in the sky, and he calls them by name. Your God is the one who is completely aware of and controlling the galaxies in the universe, even the one our scientists haven't discovered yet. He is completely in control, even when life feels out of control, or you feel under attack. God is faithful. Your God is the one who right now is making sure that this earth that you and I are spinning on right now at 168,000 miles an hour, do you feel it? <laughs> He's the one who's making sure that the axis is tilted at just precisely the right angle so you don't fall off, that it's rotating at just the precise speed, that the sun is shining at just the right distance to sustain life on this planet and not burn us all up. That's God. Your God is the one who made sure the sun came up this morning, is going to stand at its post all day long, and tonight he's going to be like, I want you to swap places with the moon. That's him. 
He's the one who controls all the realms of the created universe. And I figure it this way. If God can handle all that, is it possible he's got your little world in the palm of his hand too? God is faithful, amen? Give him a praise. God is full of faith, even when we're not. And so, because your God is 100% faithful, you and I can have active faith in what he promises. Did you know there's over 8,000 promises throughout scripture that are given to believers in Jesus Christ? That means every week you have 8,000 opportunities to trust God and see him move in your everyday life. But here, here, here's what I've noticed. What I've noticed about those promises, most of the time, those 8,000 promises, he does not place it within the palm of your hand. Rather, he places them just out of your reach, which means you have to be willing to play an active part and step forward in faith and take hold and practice that promise in your everyday life. See, Paul says, if you want a shield that is going to block you against the flaming arrows of the enemy, you got to have an active faith in your relationship with God, an active faith in your everyday life. That's actually how you get protected and advance against the enemy. In fact, let me tell you something kind of cool about this shield. This is not actually a Roman shield. This is more medieval. Uh, the Roman shield was not like the Captain America shield. Let me show you a picture of an actual Roman shield from the first century. Take a look at this. Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians around 62 AD from a prison in Rome. At that time, Rome was the most powerful army on the face of the planet. I mean, no army could match the Roman army, their muscle, their military maneuvers. And at the center of their strategy was a Roman shield that looked like this. It's actually like a rectangular door. It was about two feet wide and four feet high. So if I held it up here, it'd go from my shin to about my eyes, all right? And the way they made it is they put planks of wood together and covered that wood with hard canvas. And then they put a leather of stiff leather on the outside. And right in the middle of the shield, you can't see it's underneath, would be a cross made of steel. It wasn't because they were Christian. It was just for support, okay? They put an iron centerpiece to give it stability. And then they put iron all around the edges so that it could handle sword blows from the enemy when they were going into battle. Now, here's what's cool. Because the Roman shield Paul's talking about was so large, they say that when a soldier crouched down behind it, his entire body would be hidden from his eyes all the way down to his shins because it was like a door in front of him. And so when Roman soldiers, this is so cool, when they marched forward to their enemy, they would actually form a line shoulder to shoulder, shield to shield, and hold their shields in formation and begin marching. And it would form this impenetrable wall like a fortress that the enemy actually couldn't even penetrate if they rushed it. Now, some of you are like, well, thank you for the history lesson, Professor Tim. Sort of interesting. Is that relevant to modern times? Yeah. Because you've seen this in New York City. You ever see how riot police do crowd control today? It's where they got it from. They form a long line of riot shields. Notice the similarities today, still two feet wide. Four feet long, same as Roman times. And what police officers do today is use the same exact technique. They push forward with one big impenetrable line. You've probably seen this on the news. Whenever there is an angry mob, SWAT teams or riot police all over the world use the same Roman shield maneuver for crowd control. They hold ground. They move forward. Isn't that cool? First century Roman strategy still used today in the 21st century. 
Now listen, though, to Paul's marching orders, because you can miss this. He says, take up, active, the shield of faith that has this purpose, with which you can what? Extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And the reason he mentions that is because in the first century, Roman soldiers still had a problem. <laughs> Whenever they fought an enemy who had archers, they often would light their arrows on fire with pitch or tar and shoot them over the wall of the shields and into the ranks of the army. So the Roman army came up with something genius. It was called testudo, or the turtle formation. I'll show you a little picture of this. What the soldiers in this video line up, and the front ranks have their shields like the impenetrable wall. But when the commander yelled testudo, which was Latin for turtle, the others would put up their shields on top like a shell. And this turtle shell formation would move forward into the ranks of the enemy. You can see the only thing that was exposed was their eyes, so they need to be able to see where they were going. And so they would actually surround it even on the side, so they had 360 protection even from the archers. Isn't that cool? This was literally their defense against the flaming arrows of the enemy. And if I could just call this out, this is a picture of small groups, by the way. This is what a small group is. You, if you want to succeed in a Christian life, you have to have other Christians shoulder to shoulder who are watching your back. Who they're, in the, they're walking in the same direction, walking forward with the Lord so they can pray with you, you can protect each other, you've got your shields up against the enemy, taking ground. Roman soldiers never fought alone. They always fought in formation. In fact, this is cool. Before they did the turtle formation, soldiers would often dip their shields in water to soak the leather. Why? Wouldn't that make it heavier, Tim? Yeah. But they wanted them wet because they knew the enemy arrows would often get dipped in pitch and tar and then set on fire. And if one of those arrows landed in a shield and it set that shield on fire, it could set the whole legion ablaze. And if imagine that, if an enemy set the shields on fire, it caused all sorts of chaos. All those soldiers who were standing firm against the enemy, they'd now be like, oh, for heaven's sakes, Bob's on fire. Bob, are you, you know, <laughs> but look at Bob, somebody put Bob, come on, put Bob out. Oh no, Larry's on fire too. You know, they would just cause all this chaos and the ranks would break down and the line would weaken and become vulnerable to attack. So catch this, listen to this. The enemy sent the flaming arrows not to kill them, but to distract them to make them turn their attention away from the real enemy. And can I just say that is a lesson for you and me. The number one reason why the enemy sends flaming arrows into your life is not necessarily to kill you, he's trying to distract you. Some of you are like, I feel like I'm being hit, Tim, from, from, from all sides. Let me tell you something. He's not trying to kill you, but he wants to distract you. He wants you so busy putting out fires in your life putting out fires in your home, putting out fires in your family, putting out fires at work, that you ain't even got time to think about advancing against him. And then when you are weak and vulnerable, while you're so busy running from fire to fire, dealing with the chaos in your own heart and life, you never actually get around to stepping out on water with Jesus. See, Satan has a quiver full of flaming arrows that he loves to fire to intimidate believers, to keep you paralyzed, keep you pinned down, and afraid to move forward. I call those arrows the deadly Ds. 
It's a spirit of, of discouragement, discouragement. I mean, like, I don't have courage anymore. I don't know if God can, can be faithful to, and see me through this. I doubt now. I've taken some hits in life. I've prayed for things that didn't happen, and now I'm doubting my faith in God. A depression of spirit. I can't even get out of bed, let alone take ground, move forward. There's a distress of the mind. It's that anxiety that happens. What if, what if I do this and it doesn't turn out the way I had hoped? And maybe there's disappointment with other Christians. You know, I stepped forward in faith and, and, and some people stepped on my toes and we didn't see it eye to eye and they weren't there for me and now I'm disappointed and I think they may be just hypocrites, you know. That's the enemy. This is how he works, you understand? He fires arrow after arrow to keep you intimidated, insecure, and afraid. But I came this morning and I believe God brought you here this morning to put your foot on the neck of a spirit of fear, amen? Because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and what? A sound mind. The enemy of your faith is a spirit of fear. It's what keeps you laying in your bed at night worrying about all the what ifs, right? What if this? What if that? The enemy lights fires. Instead of moving forward, instead of taking ground, trusting, man, if God called me to it, he's going to get me through it. But, but, what, but what if I'm not successful? What if it doesn't... He will do anything to keep you from stepping forward in faith. His goal is to distract so he can destroy any forward momentum in your life. Because he knows, listen to this, listen to this. <laughs> the enemy is scared of you. Not because of anything you have in your own strength, but you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. And he knows. You take one step forward to step out on that water. If you start acting like this belief system you say you have, you marry your, your faith with action. The Satan knows that God's turtle shell is going to come up over your life. And every single arrow the enemy sends is going to be doused and deflected once and for all. I felt fire preparing this message. You feel it now? That's the Holy Spirit challenging some of you. I want to, I want to confront some of you today because God is calling you to wage war. And I want to know what God is calling you to personally do about it. How has he called some of you to act? In this season of your life, maybe you've had a conviction in your heart, even over the last four weeks, that God's spirit has planted in there. And maybe he's not yelling and preaching. Maybe it's just a whisper and a nudge and a sense. And you're like, is that God? I don't know. Friends, if you've been praying for a sign, here it is. You know that it's God speaking to you. Whenever you hear or you read like a passage of scripture and it makes your, your hair stand up and your heart starts burning a little bit. Because you know God's calling you out and challenging you to do something. So I'm going to ask again right now. I want you to personalize this. What action is God calling you to take? What is he asking you to do right now in this season of life? Don't be afraid. Don't be distracted. Don't get intimidated because your God is faithful. And let me tell you, if he has called you to it, he will get you through it. Amen? I want you to say this with me. I want, in fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want to take off your glasses, look them in the eye. And you tell her, if God's called you to it, honey, he'll get you through it. All right, go ahead. Turn to him right now. <laughs> if God's called you to it, he's going to get you through it. <laughs> okay, somebody took the honey thing too far. All right. <laughs> That's all right. I appreciate it. Listen. You know what that means? If God's called you to it, he will get you through it. So you go ask that person to forgive you. Don't be afraid. You don't let the enemy intimidate you on what God's called you to do. 
because you will miss out on the blessing of obedience. What's God calling you out to it that he says, I can get you through this? Maybe he's asked you to take a new job. And you're like, man, I don't know. That job doesn't pay as much as a job I have. Listen, listen to me. You take the job if that's what Jesus is asking you to do. Has God asked you to start a new degree or go back to school and you're like, oh man, it's a lot of work at my age. I don't even know. If, he's called, if God's called you to it, he will get you through it. Maybe it's to start a new ministry to see how much, uh, and you're like, I'm a little intimidated. I don't know how I would do all this. I was talking to a woman this week, and this is amazing, just a, a story. She said, my degree actually, Tim, is in counseling victims of trauma, so like PTSD. And she said, as, as a kid growing up, I only had this passion for horses. I lived like on a ranch. And my dream was to marry the two of this. And she says, this is incredible. She goes, I'm opening a ranch in New Hampshire that uses equestrian therapy to help soldiers coming back with PTSD. And she goes, it's so scary to me, but I just got a grant from the Wounded Warrior Project. If God's called you to it, he will get you through it and provide. Amen. Give her a hand. You got to trust him. You got to take action. Maybe, maybe he's calling you to take in a foster child that needs a home or just a loving family to have dinner with every now and then so they have some stability in their life. Do it. Maybe he's asked you to take the, that child of yours out of public school and put him in private school. Or give me faith, homeschool, okay? Maybe you need God give you faith. <laughs> Maybe he's nudging you to, to help somebody financially. Or if you, some extra money's coming to your life and like, I wanna give this, this offering to, don't miss the blessing of obedience. Because once you step out in faith, whomp, shields go up. You get the armor of God activated on your side. I saw, guys, I saw this come true in my own life this week. I'm not a guy who actually likes confrontation. Uh, I, I like drama, <laughs> not confrontation. Uh, I, I, I'm not intimidated, a room full of 1,000 people, no problem, not nervous at all. One-on-one, -on -one, though, different story. <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't like personal conflict. But I found God calling me to lean into one last week. All right? A friend in my life, I won't give you the details, but just a friend in my life needed correction because I saw him headed down a path that would have produced more pain in the lives of the people he loved. And I realized God was calling me to reach out and to lean in. And I didn't want to. I just be, I'm human. I didn't want to. But understand what I believe. No, no, no. Understand how I act. In my heart of hearts, I believe that if God's called me to it, he will get me through it. And so I leaned into that conflict, and we had a fierce conversation. And it was awkward, and it was unpleasant, but I stepped up, and I stepped out into the faith place. You guys know what the faith place is? The, the faith place is the place in the Bible when God calls you to go, and you don't know how it's going to turn out, but you go anyway just because he said so. The faith place is where Abraham went in Genesis. When God said, hey, I want you to leave your home and I want you to go to a land. I don't, you don't even have a name for it, okay? It's a country you've never even heard of. I want you to go. That's the faith place. The faith place is all throughout scripture, the great leaders. It's where Esther went when she was willing to fight for her people, even though maybe it meant her own life. That's the faith place. The faith place is where the disciples, they left their homes to literally follow Jesus. The faith place is Peter stepping out of the boat onto the water to go to Jesus when he called. Understand the faith place is when you put yourself in a position 
for God to have to come through because you ain't got the capabilities. You don't have the patience for this. You don't have the money. You don't have the right connections. You don't have enough diplomas on the wall. You don't have what you think is necessary for something to come to pass. But let me tell you something. When you step out in faith anyway, you have just stepped into the most anointed place you can be in your life, the place of faith. It's what activates the God shield over your life. Shields. It's what sends the enemy running. I like how Tony Evans says it. He says, faith is acting like it is so, even when it ain't so so that it might be so, because God said so. I love that, <laughs> isn't that awesome? Can we say it? It's kind of fun to say together. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it ain't so, so that it might be so, because God said so. Your God is faithful, don't shrink back, don't be afraid, give him a praise if you believe it. If you're willing to act on what is in your heart. I'm going to close with this. You know, there's a story in the Gospels about the Apostle Peter acting in faith. It's even before he stepped out on water. It's in Luke chapter 5. And I love it. It's one of my favorite stories. Because I think it shows what a, because God said so, faith kind of looks like. Peter was, you know, he's a fisherman. And he was out fishing all night and he got skunked. He caught nothing. Imagine that. Zilch, zero, nada. All night, caught nothing. And now it's morning. The Bible says he's, you know, probably pulled his boats in. It's actually like he's on shore. He's washing his nets. And I'm thinking Peter's tired and discouraged. And out of nowhere, Jesus comes along. And there's this crowd of people following Jesus because he's teaching them. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, uh, just put down your nets a minute. I'll, I want to get back in the boat. What? Yeah. I want to get back in your boat, and we're going to push out a little bit so everybody can stand on the shore and they can hear me, okay? And so Jesus gets in the boat with Peter, and they push out so that Jesus can now preach to everybody who's standing on the banks, okay? So Peter actually does what Jesus says, but I want you to understand something. While Jesus is preaching to the crowd on the riverbanks, where's Peter? He is sitting in the front row, listening to Jesus' sermon. And after Jesus is done preaching, he says something kind of strange to Peter. Verse 4, it says, Jesus said to Peter, Now I want you to put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. How many of you know that you can sit in the front row Sunday after Sunday and listen to a thousand sermons? But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there will come a moment when he calls you to go deeper. He ain't gonna let you stay a shallow guppy your whole life because he loves you too much. And he wants you to grow deep in your faith. And he says, I'm gonna call you out. I'm gonna ask you to trust me. I'm gonna ask you to... Push out in deeper water. Y'all, this is the way the Lord works. You understand this? Like, like Peter, he's going to let you hear a sermon. But right after that, he's going to ask you, can you push out in deep water? Because I want to see if what you amend on Sunday will translate now into your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday and your Thursday and your Friday. Is there a connection there? The Bible says Peter was not so quick to act. This is so honest. Peter answered, uh, Master, we've, uh, we've worked hard all night, bro. <laughs> we, we didn't catch anything. In other words, he's like, he's like no offense, Jesus. Like, I, you know, I just, I'm the fisherman, you're a carpenter. <laughs> you know, like, we, we've been at this thing all night, bro. We've done it a few times. And scholars say it was probably about noontime. 
So hottest part of the day, the sun is directly overhead. Even if you're a novice fisherman, you know, worst time of the day to go fishing. But guess what? The way that sometimes you will know that you are hearing the voice of God in your life is when you hear what God tells you to do and it makes you go, what? That doesn't make any sense. God, you want me to do what? Jesus, that can't be right. Do you know why God does that? Because Isaiah 55 says God's ways are not our ways. And God's thoughts are what? Higher than our thoughts. And what Jesus tells Peter to do doesn't make any sense. It's the middle of the day. His instructions are irrational. And so Peter has a decision at this moment to make like some of you do. He says, well, I do what I'm being called by Jesus to do, even though it goes against what my mind thinks and what my feelings feel and what I logically think is the most rational way to handle this problem we got on hand. And so it's amazing because Peter like pauses and he, he thinks and he, I'm guessing he shook his head and, whoo, okay, here we go. <laughs> Going to look like an idiot. And he coughed out these words. Peter answered, Master, we've, we've worked hard all night. We didn't cut nothing. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. You want to change your life? Those seven words will change your life. But because you say so, I'm going to do it anyway. Shields up. I love Peter's act of faith here because it challenges me. I don't know about you, but I have this little habit of rationalizing myself out of obedience. <laughs> when God tells me to do something, I just tend to think about it a little too long <laughs> because I'm a planner. I, and I just like, you know, I just want to make sure I got the bases all covered and all the dots connect. Can I tell you something today, church? Faith is when the dots don't connect and you still say, because you said so, Jesus, I'm going to do it anyway. That's where the miracle happens. The Bible says Peter pushed out into deeper water and he threw out the net. Pause. Is that not interesting? That Jesus made Peter actually take action and throw out the net. Because you all know Jesus could have just been like, fish, get in the boat. <laughs> right? You know that, right? All the fish would have jumped in the boat. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, Peter, I want you to throw that net out yourself. Take action, man. Why? Because God wants you to be his partner in the miracles he's waiting to produce in your life. And so when you cast out your net of faith this week, guys, you follow through on what the Holy Spirit's been convicting and challenging you. And God may be asking you to take a risk, and tomorrow when you cast that net out, you know what the Bible says happened? There were so many fish in those nets, Peter couldn't even haul it in. There was like more blessing than he could contain. All those empty nets from the night before, picture of futility, suddenly filled with fish, and it actually broke his boat. In fact, verse 7 says that there were so many fish that Peter actually had to, had to whistle over to, I can't whistle. He had to whistle <laughs> to his fishing buddies in another boat to come help him with the haul. And this is the awesome part. They come over and listen to this. Both boats were so filled with fish, they both began to sink. You get the picture? Peter was blessed. His family was blessed. His business was blessed. His friends were blessed. Everyone watching the miracle is blessed. And it all happened because one person was willing to go to the faith place. And even though what Jesus said didn't make sense, and he probably felt a little foolish, maybe embarrassed, Peter stepped out and he said, Lord, because you say so, I will. Friends, when I was preparing this message, like I felt it in my spirit. That the reason why God brought some of you here today is because he is setting you up 
for a miracle, for a blessing in your life. If you will say yes, if you will take action on what he's telling you to do, he is setting you up for more blessing than you can possibly contain. I'm not talking about like a little blessing, but a blessing of Ephesians 3.20 proportions. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more above and beyond all that you can ask or imagine or dream or pray or hope. To Jesus be glory in the church for all generations. Amen? Guys, that's the God you serve. So can I just challenge you today? I want to challenge you, not Sunday morning, Monday morning. You take up the shield of faith this week. On Monday morning, God's calling you to put your faith into action. Don't let the flaming arrows distract you. Get together with your small group this week. Small group leaders, you just yell, Testudo! And you get in a turtle formation together, and then you pray for each other. And you pray, and you believe in faith, and you step forward in faith together, because greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. Amen, church? Believe your God. Trust your God that if he called you to it, he will get you through it. Amen? Stand for prayer. Come on, stand on up, church. Put your hands out. Father, I pray for a release right now of faith in this room at every campus, God. It may be coming through the, the screen, God, but it's your Holy Spirit traveling through the power of pixels. Father, I pray for a spirit of faith to rise up in the men in this place, God. That as we represent you in the marketplace, we would not be afraid, God. That we become the husbands and fathers full of courage, full of belief, God, protecting our families. God, I pray for the women here. I pray for those who are right now pinned down maybe with a spirit of fear or insecurity or anxiety. Father, break through those right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. As our words of praise lift up your name, Father God, let it be a banner over this whole army, God. And I pray for our children, God. We want to protect them from the schemes of the evil one, God, in this crazy, violent, hostile world. So God, shields up over them, I pray, blood of Jesus. But Father, let them not be a generation of fear. Fill them right now with a faith that the best is yet to come because you lead us forward. I ask that in Jesus' name. If you agree, all God's people said together, amen. amen. Give him a praise, guys.